great day to worship God. Hallelujah. God is good. Somebody say amen. amen. God's good all the time. All the time God's good. And uh, we know that he's good to us. And so glad you chose to come today. Don't think it's by chance. This is a two-part message that we're doing a second part of today. And we're going, we've been talking about our true identity. How many of you would agree with me this morning, church, that the devil is a liar? Scripture says he's a liar and the father of them. That means he cannot tell the truth. So when Satan says something to you, he's lying. He's, he's deceptive and all of those other things. So today we're going to be talking about our true identity. And one of the greatest criminal acts today is identity theft. And we know it's happening all over the, you know, the world today and especially in the, in the United States. It kind of goes like this. Someone gets your information on your Social Security card or your credit card. And they go out, they steal your identity, and they begin to uh, run up uh, a credit bill on you or, or something like that because they have stolen your identity. And as Christians, the Bible says that we're new creatures. We're new, a new creation in Christ, okay? But we have an enemy, and he tries to steal our true identity. And we're going to talk about that. Now, let me just give you a snapshot of what we did a couple of weeks ago to kind of bring you up to date. First of all, he tries to steal our true identity. We talked about he uses a lot of tools. And the Apostle Paul said it this way, that we're not ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. We're not ignorant or without knowledge of the wiles of the devil or the tricks of the devil. In other words, he has his little schemes. He has his little things he plays that try to, to steal from you and to get into what you are doing or, or what God wants for you and take it away from you. So he has a lot of tools. What are some of the tools? Opinions of others, like your parents or friends. You'll never amount to anything or something like that, and that's, that's of the devil. Come on, somebody. But sometimes people that we love and people that we know say things are not, they're, they're not where they need to be. And Satan tries to steal or su suggest thoughts uh, to us, steal God's thoughts and suggest other thoughts to us. He uses condemnation. The Bible says that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but, you know, he came to save the world. So if condemnation, if anything of condemnation, that's not of God. If you're in a church or if you're around people and they start, you feel in condemnation, that's not of God. Now, conviction of the Holy Spirit's of God, and God convicts us, and God, you know, deals with our hearts and things to get us closer to him, but that's not condemnation. That's, a, that's totally different. He plants an idea in your mind sometimes, but the Bible says this. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, you are. Everybody say, you are. Now, he's, he's talking about you. He's talking about your identity. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So, you know, secondly, we said that I am completely accepted. I'm accepted in Christ, okay? Uh, sometimes we buy the craziest things and do the craziest things to try to uh, impress people or whatever it may be or, you, you know, and why do we do all that? Because we want to earn their acceptance. But I want you to know something. We are completely accepted in Christ. Christ accepts you just the way you are. You know, you are wonderfully made, and you need to understand that. You know, you know other people, you know, they may not, uh, they may not uh, affirm you in that, but God will always affirm you in that. And then thirdly, I'm extremely valuable. Why? Because we want to be valued. We want to be valued. So God says, I don't want just to accept you. I want to value you. You're not just completely accepted. You're, 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 you're extremely valuable. And in fact, 
you're priceless. God says, you're priceless, okay? And then, the, and then now we're going to part two. In your notes, take it out, and I want you to write down some things. You'll get so much out of it if you get one of the outlines and write some things down. So I'm completely accepted, and I'm e- e- extremely valuable in your notes there. And then the, the first thing in your notes, the third print, we talked about uh, prints. It's like fingerprints or thumbprints. I, I, I talked about my phone that I have, my iPhone. I can put my thumbprint on it, and it, and it, it opens up. It's my security, okay? It knows my thumbprint. Okay, so these are some of the thumbprints or fingerprints of your true identity. And and this one here, the first one in your notes today is, I'm eternally loved, okay? I'm eternally loved. I'm completely accepted. I'm extremely valued. I'm eternally loved. Now, the third thing that Peter says here in the notes, he says about your true identity is this, 1 Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were aliens, you were foreigners, but now you are the people of God. Once you didn't have an identity, but now you have an identity. I'm giving you an identity. Now now you're the people of God. That has profound impl- implications to you, okay? Why? Because God says you're now in my family. How many of you know that if you're in a family, there's things, blessings that come because you're in the family. You have an inheritance in that family. If you, if you were born into a, a rich family, you're rich. Why? Because your family's rich. You, you have what they have. And, 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 and when they pass, that, that inheritance come to you. The Bible says that we, are, that we are heirs with God and we are joint heirs with Jesus. In other words, everything that he has, we have because we're in the family. Can I get a witness? So in our human way, we often are ashamed of people in our families. Come on, somebody. You know that weird uncle in your family. You know that weird aunt, aunt you know, an uncle, and that brother or sister, or that, that uh, parents of, or, some, uh, of the, or their kids, you know, you know who I'm talking about. And we often, where we're, we're ashamed of relatives, it's like, oh, you know, I don't know if I know them or not, you know, kind of, you know, kind of getting away from them. But God is not ashamed of his family. Can you say Amen. God is not ashamed of you. God is not ashamed of you. God is not ashamed of you. Matter of fact, you know, it's just like I, I was looking at little Denver this morning. Boy, he was making me laugh. And, and just the joy of the Lord on his face, you know. And I'm sure that Dee and Brooklyn, you know, when they get up in the morning, they, they go in there and they look at him and they, oh, look, oh, look at his little mouth, you know. Well, God does that toward you. God looks at that, that's my son, that's my daughter, they're in my family. God is not ashamed of his family, and he will never, 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 ever be ashamed of you. Can you say amen? Other people might be ashamed of you, but God will never be ashamed of you. Why? Because he says you are in my family, and God wants you in his family, and God chose you in his family. In fact, the Bible says in, look in your notes, Hebrews 2.11, Jesus and, and the ones he makes holy, that's you and me, okay, Jesus and the ones that he makes valuable to God, extremely valuable, have the same father. Have the same father. Why are we valuable? Because we belong to God. We belong to God. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Now look at the next scripture. And that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brethren or sisters. Why? Because we are in his family. Now, do you realize that when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to go, 
hey, bro, hey, sister, come on in, you know. Hey, sis, come on in. That's what he's going to do. That's what the Bible says. He's not ashamed of his brothers and sisters. Now, do you realize that, that the kind of love that God has for you, what kind of love is that? What does it look like? How, how can we put that in perspective? The kind of love that Jesus has for you, he's not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. Now, again, I give you a little illustration. And some of us might have been ashamed of some family member, but let me tell you something. God is never ashamed of you. He's glad that you're in the family. Can you say amen? So sometimes we want to judge, you know, from our own perspective or whatever it may be. And sometimes we get this warped, warped sense of mentality about how we feel about things, and maybe God feels that way. But let me tell you something. You're not God. Come on, somebody. I'm not God. You're not God. God loves you, period. You can't do anything more to, uh, you know, to gain God's love. He loves you. Now, let me tell you something. He wants, now, you may be doing something he may not be pleased with, but he still loves you. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know that this morning. That needs to get down in, inside you that God loves you. Jeremiah 31, 1, 3 says, Jeremiah 31, 3 says this. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Wow. An unfailing love I have drawn upon you. Now, there's two characteristics of God's love that I want you to look at. And you can meditate on them this week. And meditate, you just kind of get them in your mind. Let, let me just say this, too. I, I, I was in a session this past week uh, in the seminary doing some teaching and some things. And, and, and I was listening to one instructor. It's like, wow, that is amazing. A clinical uh, you know, doctor that was talking about things. Uh, and he's talking about when, when one begins to worry and fret that the brain the brain begins to go dark inside there's a darkness that comes up on the brain inside but when one begins to meditate meditate and pray you light up like like las vegas come on somebody <laughs> you just light up inside your your brain lights up and i'm thinking whoa i want to light up inside come on somebody because sometimes worry and doubt and fears and all those other things that's of the enemy that's what God wants. He want, I mean, that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to think that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't care about us, when God really loves us with an everlasting love. So meditate on these things. One is his unconditional love. And number two, his unending love. It's constant, unconditional, unending. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting, an unfailing love. So here's the thing. God's love is not the way that we love things. Now, here's the way we love things. We say, well, I, I uh, you know, you say, I love my wife, and I love peanut butter, and I love the dog. I hope it's not all, all on the same level. Come on, somebody. But that's kind of the way we are, you know. But, you know, when you go into the Bible and the Greek and the Bible and, and you begin to look at some of the things the way God looks at it, you know, God, you know, God puts a value on your life. He says, I love you. Turn to that person beside you and say, I believe he's talking to you this morning. God loves you. First, it's unconditional. That means not, I love you if you pray. I love you if you pay your tithes. I love you if you go to church. Not. That's not the way God loves you. God loves you, period. God loves you. Now, when all these other things, he does have a plan for your life. And he wants you to get on a level that's probably more than what even you're on today. That's his will, and that's, that's the way God wants to bless you. But let me tell you something. God's love is not conditioned upon any of those things. Sometimes we may fall into that trap. Sometimes we may be like that. But let me tell you something. We're not God. Can you say amen? So God loves you. He loves you unconditionally. 
That's what God does. But I love you, period, unconditionally. Love, I love you, you know, in spite of you, I love you. You know why we have a hard time with that? Because you have rarely experienced unconditional love. You know that someone just loves you. You know, and, and sometimes it's kind of like when someone does something, you're thinking, well, why did they do that? You know, why was that done? You know, is there something that, you know, I'm supposed to do? Or is there something that's coming after that? Hello. In other words, when we love the way God loves, it's an agape love. You just love someone. You, it's like, why are you doing that? Because I love you. It's like, oh, oh, wow. You go to another level when you get into that agape love where God begin, when you begin to love the way God loves there's no strings attached. How many of you know what I'm talking about when you say strings attached, you know? It's because I love you, but there's strings attached where I, I'm going to do this, and it's an if, and it's a conditional. But God's love is unconditional. He doesn't love you because of things you do, you know? It's because of who you are, and you are one of his children. You know, you're, and, you know having this uh, baby dedication of Denver today, it just kind of, you know, made me think so much of how much we love our children and, 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 you know, it, it, we love them. We just love them, period, you know. They don't have to do anything. When they, sometimes they cry in the middle of the night or whatever, but we still love them. Sometimes they have a tummy ache or whatever it may be, and sometimes we don't understand. And, and, and how many of you know sometimes mischief is, is in a child, and so we have to teach them the ways? But how many of you know we don't discard them when they do something wrong? Come on, somebody. Okay, you know, they, uh, with the first child walked when they were, uh, you know, uh, 14 months. So this child's, you know, you, 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 you let your child start to walk, and they take two steps, and they fall. You say, well, they, they can't walk. Just forget about them. <laughs> no, we don't do that. But, but we kind of put God in a box that God is somehow like that. God, folks, God loves you with an everlasting love. Can you say Amen. So real love is not conditional if you do this or if you do that. No, 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 a thousand times no. Some may say, I love you because you're beautiful. How many of you know someday you might not be beautiful? Oh, I just love you. You have a, such a pretty head of hair. I'm thinking, yeah, I used to. I'm losing it now. Sometimes beauty fades. But God still loves you. God still cares about you. You know, I love my wife, period. Come on, somebody. I love her, period. You know, I just, I just love her, okay? And, and, and you know, you know we, we're both changing. Our bodies are changing. And I look in the mirror and I'm thinking, oh, who is that person? <laughs> I'm thinking, I used to know who that was. I don't know if I know anymore, you know? And she's probably looking at me and saying, but you know what? I don't look at her that way. She's not looking at me that way. And let me tell you something, especially God doesn't look at you that way. God loves you. You need to understand that. You need to, to understand that. And that needs to get down inside of you that God loves you. I love you because of all the things that you do for me. Not. That's selfishness. That's selfishness. That's not, a, that's not agape. That's not of God. I love you, period. It's not only unconditional, but it's unending. It's consistent. Uh, God is not uh, fickle. You know, uh, God isn't unpredictable. God doesn't have uh, bad hair days. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, we get a little moody if, if we're having a bad hair day, you know. How many of you know what I'm talking about, a bad, bad hair day, okay? I mean, you know, it's one of those days you get up and you think, what in the world? What? You know, it's been a couple of days and I just got back in the shower again. I said, that's it. I'm just going to get another shower. I said, this ain't working. It's, sometimes it still don't work, you know. 
But we have bad hair days. We get moody. Now, I know I'm not talking about people in this church, but the church down the street, they get moody. Come on. <laughs> Surely, Pastor, you're not talking about me. God doesn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. Some grew up in a home with a mom or a dad who never knew if they were going to get hugged or slugged. They never knew what was coming. I, I, I was just, when I was, when I, when I was holding little Denver this morning, I could tell the love that's in this home, just the actions of this little fella. You know, you know I, I, seriously, folks, I've been around people, and I, little kids, I went to, you know, you know, pick them up or something, and they go like this, and you think, oh, my goodness. Makes me wonder what's going on. And, uh, you know, never know if they're going to get slugged or hugged. And I, I tell you, we, we need to get on the altar and repent and get our act right before God if any of that thing stuff is happening. Can you say amen to that? And God loves children. And I tell you what, you know, he loves you and he loves me and he especially loves the children and he takes time for children. You can't make God stop loving you because God's love is based on you. It's, not, it's based on him, who he is, not who you are. We're always getting into trouble when we doubt God's love. So why am I eternally loved? Because God is love. Say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. God is love. Say it again. God is love. God's love. And, and that's who he is. The reason I'm eternally loved is because God is love. It doesn't say that he has love. He is love. It is his character. He is love. He's, he's the epitome of love. He is what love is. God is love. And so when God comes into your life, love is in your life. And that's the reason that you change. That's the reason that, you know, I remember that I, re I could take you to the place. I can tell you the time. I can take you to the moment when I gave my heart to Jesus and something happened inside of me. There was a, a change that happened inside of me because God's love got inside of me. And you know what? I wanted to go hug everybody in the place. I want to just hug everybody's neck, shake everybody's hands. Hello. I didn't know if there was any strife or, or anything going on. I just like, I know what was going on inside of me. I know what was happening inside of me. That was God's love. Psalms 105 says it this way. God's love is eternal and his faithfulness lasts forever. You may be unfaithful to him, but he's not going to be unfaithful to you. So you know what I like to do? I like to tell people, don't judge me by your character. You know, you might be thinking that you would do something like that, but don't judge me like that. You know, that's what a lot of people do. They judge you because of things the way they would do something. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. God is a God of love, and he loves you. He cares about you, and he's going to do the right thing toward you. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Oh, glory. Let's celebrate God, what he's doing in our lives. So I'm completely acceptable. I'm e e e extremely valuable. I'm eternally loved. And number two in your notes, the fourth part of this identity in Christ is I am totally forgiven. And folks, this is, this is, this is big, okay? 1 Peter 2.10 says it this way, At one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received his mercy. God's mercy has given us God's forgiveness. And God's forgiveness is total because God knows everything. It has to be in its total. He can't partially forgive. He forgives totally. Now, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to pack that, okay? What, what does that look like to us? What does that mean to us? Think about what it means. That means that God knows the worst things you've ever done or will ever do, and he's decided 
in Christ to forgive you of that already. Can you say amen? Can you imagine that? In other words, he's saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. Let's think about it. How does that relate to us? You and I might be surprised at our sin sometimes, but God is never surprised. He's never surprised. If God had a Twitter account, one of the things that he would never twit is, oh, my God. Did you just see what they did? I am so surprised. (laughs) I know I'm facetious this morning, but you're getting adrift. I mean, God wouldn't do something like that. Why? Because he knows. He knows knows you inside and out, and he still loves you, and he forgives you. Come on, somebody. That's who God is. When God forgives, he doesn't partially forgive. He totally forgives. When some forgive, they actually take a wrong thing that you did, and they kind of put it in a little box, and they put the box up on the shelf, and they write on it to be pulled out in case of further sin. We can use this. That's not how God forgives. Can you say amen? As far as the, hmm, east is from the west? Wow. Think about that. As far as the east is from the west. In other words, he forgives it. You know, you say, well, pastor, I can forgive him, but I can't forget about it. Aren't you glad God forgets about it? And yes, you can. God can help you. Now, 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 yeah, now, you may have to come and deal with it at times as it resurfaces. And, you know, but, you know, it, you know, God wants you to be like him, and you just you forgive. You, you, you're like your father. You forgive. How do I know I'm totally forgiven? Two reasons. Number one, because it's in God's nature to forgive. Okay, and here's what the Scripture says in Isaiah 43, 25. You see, he's a forgiving God. It's in his nature to forgive. And he says it this way, I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. In other words, it's just in God's nature. It's who he is. He is a forgiver. Everybody say he's a forgiver. See, God always been a forgiving God in the Old Testament and New Testament. That's who he is. So in Christ, we're forgiven. He just forgives us. He he forgives us. And then the second thing. That, that I can know that I'm freely forgiven is because Jesus paid for my sins. Look at uh, Ephesians 1 7. You see, Jesus paid for my sins. It keeps me going back to what Jesus did on the cross, on the old rugged cross. Ephesians 1 7. For by the blood of Christ we are set free, that is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God! Folks, I tell you what, I cannot even start a prayer out. When I pray my daily prayer, when I begin to pray and pray for you, you know, one of the things I think about is God's forgiveness and and the blood of Jesus and how he forgives us of all of our sins and even things that we're going to do in the future. When we ask him, he forgives that too. In other words, he's a forgiving God. He just forgives us. He forgives us. I'm forgiven not based on my performance of what I've done. I'm forgiven based on God's grace of what he's doing for me. It's by grace. By, you know, by faith are you saved through grace. By grace are you saved through faith. In other words, we have that, and we need to know our identity in that. So this is your true identity. You're accepted, you're, you're lovable, you're valuable, you're forgiven. And then the last one, write this in as we do this last part. You're capable. I'm fully capable. Totally accepted, extremely valued, eternally loved, forgiven, and I'm capable. Now, this fifth ID marked in, in Christ is found in 1 Peter 2.9. Either in your Bible, you can turn there or look in your notes, 1 Peter 2.9. 
And here's what it says. You are a royal priesthood. I'm going to come back to that and explain that in just a moment. You're a royal priesthood. You're chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you are a priest. Now, how many of you know when I say the word priest, what you have thought of is this, this older guy that sits in some dark wooded uh, you know, booth you know, that someone goes back in and you pull this little screen and you see partially his faith and uh, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's the mentality we're thinking of a priest. Did you ever think that you're a priest? God's, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, it, you know, you're, you, and you don't even have to be part of this church. If you are a believer, you are, have a royal priesthood. God has created us all to be priests. Now, I know that's just like, what, really? What's what the Bible says? You're a royal priest. Who did he say that to? He said it to the church. He wasn't just talking about the folks in Jerusalem, that, that, that a select few, but he was talking about not only those in that day, but for us today. That we are royal, we have a royal priesthood. You and me, yes, you are a priest. If you're a Christian, you're a priest. Now, what do priests do? They do two things. They re represent man to God, and they represent God to man. That's what we do, okay? God says that you are capable, and you're fully capable of doing that, which is why you don't have to be a, uh, go to a priest to confess because you are one. <laughs> the Bible says confess your faults one to another. So I could go to, to my brother Bob over here, and I'd say, Bob, uh, you know, the Bible says confession. You. you know, Bob, I had this problem here, and, and, you know, will you pray with me about this? And, and he says, and by the way, Pastor, will you pray about this because I have this problem too. So he's a priest, I'm a priest, and we just confess our faults one to another, and God heals us and forgives us. Come on, somebody. And it's, and it's done. You know, we don't have to go in, in that little brown box or whatever it is. You don't have to do that. Come on, somebody. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Look at it. Turn there. Or in your notes. And also hold your place there. Uh, Acts chapter 2 or 26 verse 18. Well, we need to go there too. I don't know if that's in your notes or not. I had a lot of scriptures. I couldn't get them all in there. What are you supposed to do as a priest? What's your job description? What, do you, what does a priest do? Let's look at it. Acts 26, 18. You are to open their eyes. He's talking about your friends, your neighbors, your family members, relatives, the people you work with. You're to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to the light, to the from the power of Satan to the power of God, so that through their faith in me, that's Jesus, they will have their sins forgiven and also, like you, receive their place among God's chosen people. Now, that's the role of a priest, and God says that's your, that's your job. And you're to tell other people about how much that God loves you and you're to open their eyes. Remember I told you about how the brain operates, you know, when you worry and doubt and fear, and it get, there's a darkness that comes there. Uh, but when you be, begin to meditate and pray and read Scripture, the, it begins to light up like, like Las Vegas. I mean, it's just the light begins to come. And that's what we do. When you begin to tell people about the love of God and how they can be forgiven and how God loves them, let me tell you something. You brighten them up. You light them up. You set them on fire. Come on, somebody. I mean, you just do something to that person, and that's what a priest does. Bless you. How many of you know we should be blessing people? Now, when I was in the world, I used to curse people, and you did too. Don't look at me so self-sanctified this morning. 
We all did that because that was our nature. It was our nature. You know, you hit me, I hit you back. You turn my cheek, I turn your cheek. Hello? Anybody in church today? But now, since we are the children of God, we take a new approach. Why? Because the love of God is in us. I, I, can't, I can't strike my brother if I love my brother. I, I can't do something bad to my brother if I love him. So, it, you know, if, if you love God and you love people, let me tell you something, that's, that's the only thing you really need to do because there's only two commandments that you need to obey. And if you may love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said, you do these two, you don't need to do anymore. Because if I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. If I love you, I'm not going to lie to you. Hello? 101 theology, come on, somebody. I mean, some things that, that we just need to get down inside of us and realize. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. The capacity that we have comes from what? The capacity that we that we have comes from God. So Paul said, that which I have received, I gave. And the only thing you're responsible for is what you receive from God. And, and you know, if you don't receive anything, you're not responsible for that. But what you receive from God, it is he who makes us capable of serving in the new covenant, in this new testament. You say, I could never serve in the church. Why? Are you calling God a liar? Or you think God cannot uh, anoint you? You think God cannot set you aside? You think God cannot use you? How many of you know at one time we were all sinners but we're saved by grace? So, you know, you say, well, yeah, but, you know, I was a sinner. Well, we all were. I mean, join the family of God. At one time we all were sinners, but now we're saved by grace. Can you say amen? So that's our identity. I'm telling you who your identity is. I'm fully capable to handle this calling. Why? Because Christ lives in me. And the Bible says it this way, greater, help me out, greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. So when he comes into your life, he changes everything. And things around you will begin to change. Because of the promise of Philippians 4.13, I'm not sure if that's in your notes, but here's what it says. I can do some things. Oh, did I miss it? <laughs> just checking, just checking. I can do most things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do, it doesn't say I can do the easy things, no. It says I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. You know, Paul says, when I'm weak, then am I strong. Why? Because when you get to the place where you realize that you're really nothing, but he is everything in you and that you're forgiven. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever made a mistake? Let me see your hands. Would you just, okay. Well, the rest of you, I'll give an altar call, and you can come later. <laughs> We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But, you know, like sin is like this. Sin is like you, you fall in a lake. You don't drown by falling in the lake. You've heard me say this before. You drown by what? Staying in it. Get out of it. You, you missed it. You, 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 you missed something. Okay. You know, you know. How many has ever, you know, said something you think, oh, man, where'd that come from? That's old Adam in there. I, I got to get him sanctified. I got to get that, you know. <laughs> Anybody ever bark at you and you just bark back? I mean, I know what I'm talking about in the bark. I'm not talking about like a dog. I'm talking about, you know, they say something cruel or whatever, and you just snap right back. But then, if you're a child of God, 
you know something starts working on the inside. Oh, goodness. Here I am, Lord. It's me again, Lord. <laughs> Lord, help me. I, that was wrong, and I'm sorry. See, that's, that's who we are. Okay, we're talking about identity theft. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission gives five steps to deal with personal identity that is stolen. Here's what you do. Preached a good sermon this morning from the FTC, Federal Trade Commission. The first thing you do is do you detect it. Realize that your identity has been stolen. Duh. <laughs> but you do. You have to realize it's been stolen, okay? It's true. If you don't know your credit's stolen, you won't do anything about it. But once you know, you need to start the process. You need to detect. The second thing is you need to alert someone, anyone, who can help minimize the damage. Call the credit card company. Call the bank. Call people, okay? Uh, number three, close any accounts that have been compromised. Create on a false basis in your name. You need to close them right now. Just start closing accounts. I close that account. I close that account. I close that account. So, you know, damage has been done, but you don't want it to continue to be done. Number four, take control of your identity. Change the things that you can. Passwords, etc. whatever. Change your passwords. Where they, somebody's getting in there. Number five, stay alert. Realize it can happen again. You've got to defend yourself. Friends, that's a sermon. And if we take that same thing that the Federal Trade Commission has said, we could turn that into a sermon of our identity and things that you and I can do. So we're going to wind this up. We've got about five or six minutes here. Let's wind this up. Let me just, let me just say this. Robin White spent four days in jail. A woman stole her identity, stole her Social Security card, stole her pictures, went out and committed crimes. The police brought it up and had her picture, her Social Security card, and put the wrong person in jail for four days. Why? Stolen identity. So you could be even go to jail because of that, but stolen identity. What do you do when, you know, when God says your physical and your spiritual identity has been stolen? Number one, you realize it's been stolen. You've got to realize it. You have to come to that realization. Number two, you alert anyone who can help minimize the damage. You notify the authorities. In other words, you pray. Come on, somebody. You go to God. Lord, I need some help here. Okay, the enemy stole my identity. You close any accounts that have been compromised or created on a false basis. There are some things in your life you need to uh, shut down, okay? And I, it, it, it shut down. It, it, there's things in your life that you're, you're acting like the devil. You need to, you know, shut that down. You start acting like God. You let the love of God be in you. That because you are a Christian. You get it? You know, and, and there's areas of phoniness. And, and if we, you, you know, we've got a, a, a mask on. We take it off. And, and we be vulnerable for the Lord. Number four, you take control of your identity and you change the things that you can. You can change what you allow in your mind. And you start there, okay? You know, whatsoever true, whatsoever lovely, whatsoever thing is a good report. Let me just ask you a question. Be honest with me this morning. Let, 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 let's engage together. How many of you, again, have ever had a bad or a wrong thought? Let me see your hands, you, okay? Do you know that Jesus had wrong thoughts that come into his mind? Bible says he was tempted as we are tempted today, yet without sin. See, temptation is not a sin. If you're tempted to do something wrong, I might be tempted to take something that doesn't belong to me, that thought come to me. But see, I have to change my way of thinking, you know, 
And there's certain things that I will not do. There are certain things I do not do. There are certain things I will not go in that place. I will not put myself in that situation because if I do, I'm going to be vulnerable just like anybody else. I could fall prey to that. It doesn't matter who you are. We know that, you know, that, 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 that many men of God that we know that we've had trust and confidence in have failed because they didn't have safeguards in their life. Folks, we need to have safeguards in our life. If you believe that, say amen. I do not counsel with someone of the opposite sex in the same building without someone there, uh, you, you know, and, and you say, well, why, you know, why is that? It's because I just, you know, I've got safeguards. That's just a safeguard. That's just one that comes to my mind. There's a lot of other safeguards that I put there, and that way I am not going to be faced with something. And sometimes it's not what you do. It might be what other people say you do. How many of you know one accusation? You know, it's called murder by the tongue. Someone could say something about you, and it could damage your reputation or your character or, your, your, or the way that someone thinks of you anyway. I'd be more of the reputation part, not your character, but they could assault it. And, but we've got safeguards. It's going to help us. Okay. And then number five, you defend. You stay alert. And you realize that your identity can be stolen again. Okay. When Satan comes and says, you must earn God's acceptance, what are you going to do? Well, you've got to earn God's acceptance. You've got to do something. <laughs> you know what I say? Devil, you are a liar. I'm accepted already. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. God has a plan for my life. I'm his child. He wakes up every morning, and, and when I wake up, he's looking right at me and says, Oh, there he goes again. Oh, my, look at him. <laughs> All right, we're going to do some things pretty fast. Go to the next one, if you would. Go to the next slide, if you would. Your true identity. Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Then suddenly... The criticism and judgment lowers in your life when you know your true identity. Romans 15, 7. Your true identity. Go to the next one. Your true identity. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. That's who I am. I'm just going to love people. You, you start loving people, you're like a priest. That's what a priest does. That's, that's what that chosen person does. You love people. And then your true identity. Since God chooses you, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's your true identity. Go to the next one. Your true identity. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God forgives Christ, for, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Go to the next one. Your true identity. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Would you just give the Lord a hand clap this morning? That's your identity. That's who you are. You know, the devil's a liar, and you need to know that. He, you know, he's going to try to steal your true identity. But, you know, you, you know you, 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 the Lord is my helper, and I have no fear what mere people will do to me now the way I'd like to close this today we have an enemy but we can't listen to his lies and his deception we've got to listen and what voices are you listening to today 
I heard a story about Bud Runan and his wife. They posted uh, on Craigslist about buying a 1966 Mustang. I don't know. Anybody read that? Anybody read that? Yeah, some of you did. Terrible. Terrible. And uh, they went missing. And finally, they were found. Their bodies were found. They got the guy that did that. And it was, you know, that, you know, again, stealing and that theft. That we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what? You know, but the Bible says that Jesus is a roaring lion. You know, he, Satan is like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's who we need. You know, we don't, you know, we, we don't, we don't look at that, the imposter that Satan is. He tries to be like God, but he's not. And let me tell you something, he's easy to identify, easy to understand, easy to pick out. Let me tell you something, if someone has hate in their life and someone has love, I'm going to tell you something, one is of God and one is not. Can you say amen? amen. That's kind of easy to identify. And we need to be listening to the right voices, you know, you know right voices. And someone, uh, and you know what, L- let me just say this, you know, you, you, can, you can be around someone and they, they have this critical cynical critical spirit about them and 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 they're not where they need to be with the lord they're not reading their bible they're not praying they're being real critical whatever and you start hanging around that person let me tell you something you can pick up that that same spirit that they have it's called a transfer of spirit spirit transfers right over to you and you find yourself being critical and you find yourself being judgmental you find yourself and you know what you need to you know what you need to do you need to get away from that person if that person's a member of your family or close, you need to pray with them. You need to, uh, you know, the Bible it talks about how that we need to talk to them in love. You go to them in love and you talk about some of the things, you know, this is not of God. You know, if you don't have something good to say about somebody, don't. Don't. If I don't have something good to say about you, don't. Unless it's in, in, in the, con, you know, confines and in, 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 in the in the area of, of leadership when someone's trying to help someone. And it's when someone's trying to help someone, it's a different story there. We understand that. Let me tell you something. God always wants to lift you up to a new level. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because he's created you. Why? Because you're his son, his, his, his daughter, and he wants to bless you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Mm. Now, I just sense that the Holy Spirit of God is in this place in a powerful way. And some of you have heard some things today that's been, uh, you know, to, to, to some of you that's heard some things, it's brought back to your remembrance some of the things that you need to be doing in and through your life. Some of you, it's been some revelation today that's like, wow, that's where I need to be and I'm not. And some of you, in different aspects of this message has spoken in different ways to many of you that are here today, but I know it's spoken to you because it's spoken to me, and I know it's spoken to you. And I know God wants us to be this royal priesthood, this holy nation, and, and, and God sets us aside that we may be the people of God, that we may be the light, and that we may light up other people and with that true identity. And, you know, if, if the enemies try to steal your identity and tell you that you're this or say this about you or whatever about you, the devil's a liar, and we need to put him in his place. Come on, somebody. See, the Bible says that we're to put on the whole armor of God. The armor of God, think of it. 
If you feel like you're, you're in your pajamas today, you need to put on the full armor of God. You put on the helmet of salvation. You put up the breastplate of righteousness. You shod your feet with the gospel. You take the shield of faith that quench every fiery dart of the devil. You see, we're in a battle. And the enemy, the battle is in your mind and in your heart. And when it goes to your mind and falls 18 inches down into your heart, in that inside of you, that's what the enemy's trying to grab and get a hold, foothold in your life. But you don't have to let him do that. You can be a child of God. You can have the love of God. You can have the patience of God. You can have God in you in a great way. That's who you are. And that's what God wants. And he wants to bless his people this morning. He wants you to rise to that level where you need to be, where you're created to be. That you're more than a conquering Christ. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hallelujah. That, 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 that you will be the person that he's called you to be. That you don't have to stoop down in the mud and miry of this world system and world's ways and do the things the way the world would do. But you can rise above that and you can be the children of God. Hallelujah. With the love of God and the power of God in your life. That's who you are. That's your true identity. And you need to receive it today. In the name of Jesus. Some of you here today are are believers. You know God, but your identity has been stolen. Get it back this morning. Some of you, maybe you realize that you need to come to Jesus, that you don't have no identity. Do it this morning. See, the Bible says those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those that ask for forgiveness will be forgiven. Those that ask to go to a new level will go to a new level. You ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. It's something that we do. It's something that we, we gravitate to. It's the Holy Spirit in us, working in us. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And God wants you to be that person that he's called you to be. Oh, hallelujah. My spirit's on fire. It's shouting this morning. Oh, hallelujah. You're here today. You want more of God. You want your total identity back. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Just a moment. Get ready. Just get ready right now. Nobody raise your hand. Just get ready. You you want God in your life. You want to be who God's called you to be. You want to be that more than a conqueror. You want the love of God in you. You want the grace of God in you. You want to be a graceful person. You want to be a patient person. You want to be a person that people look at and says, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. That's who you want to be this morning. Well, that's your true identity. And all you have to do is receive it. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He gives you the power to become the sons of God, the daughters of God. You can have that power. Oh, that's that, that one, uh, Acts 1.8. He comes with the power. He gives you the power. He enables you. Oh, glory to God. He empowers you with dudamus, dynamite. Gives you what you need to have to be who you are in Christ. If that's what God is speaking to you and that's who you want to be this morning you don't know Jesus but you're going to call upon him you know Jesus but you want your identity back you, 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 you know Jesus but you, your identity has been stolen and you want it returned you want to be everything that God wants you to be on the count of three on the count of three I want you to raise your hand one, two, three raise your hand oh hallelujah oh glory to God I want you to stand your feet most of you raise your hand let's just stand our feet this morning lift both hands toward heaven I'm going to lift my hands toward you. I'm going to pray a prayer that God is going to start a revival, a fire in you 
a blaze, a holy fire, that God is going to do a wonderful work in you, that God is going to transform you, that God not only is going to forgive you, as He Scripture says, but God's going to transform your mind, hallelujah, and your emotions and every part of your being. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift my hand toward this congregation. I pray for them today that they would be everything that you've called them to be. And Lord, we agree together that the devil is a liar and the father of them. He can't tell the truth. But God, your word says who we are. We're more than conquerors. God's word says that we are, have an everlasting, you have an everlasting love for us, that we're loved, we're valued, and you affirm your congregation this morning. Bless your people. Congregation, say this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive that. I receive power to become everything you call me to be. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I walk that out in my life. I want to be that royal priesthood, that called person. And I'm going to in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah!